You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Morning. Um, let's put our hands together and celebrate the band. Fantastic song. God bless you. Um, thank you very much for having me back here. I think uh, BWS was not very impressed with my last week's message. I said, <laughs> you have to come back this Sunday again. Uh, would you help me look at the person next to you and tell them that God has not left you? Tell them that I don't think they, I don't think they heard you. Just tell them that God, use sign language, use something. Make sure they understand. Tell them that God has you. God, God is holding you. I think that's the message. Okay? God is at work in your life. And if you don't mind, would you just pray over them? Would you stretch your hand to me, either the person on your left or your right, the person who you deem to be more in need of prayer? Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I would you just be kind in the spirit and pray over their lives this morning. Would you declare that it is well with them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you speak the counsel of God declaring nothing missing, nothing broken over their lives. Would you declare that they are emerging in the spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus. Would you declare that regardless of the war over their lives. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are. I want you to be praying for someone. I want hopefully that someone is praying for you. It doesn't matter whether you're on the drums. It doesn't matter whether you're in the council. In the council. I want you praying, declaring no matter what war exists over their lives today. We are declaring victory in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you declare over them that the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is at work in their members, is at work in their body, is at work in their families, is at work in their academics, is at work in their jobs. Would you declare concerning this new week for them, declare that they are blessed in the name of Jesus as they go, as they come, that they are blessed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give you thanks, our Father, for answering our prayers in Jesus' mighty name. Because we shall have a big amen. amen. Would you be nice and tell the person, thank you very much for praying for me. Okay, all right. Okay, fantastic. Where's my pastor? Pastor, let's celebrate BWS. It's always very nice to have a pastor like you, Ma. All right. Um, all right, so today I want to kind of, um, I think would, would break the com com conversations, but I just wanted to say a couple of things. And then I would ask um, it's Sharon, right? And Sharon and Demilade to come and um, would, share, would share some, would share some uh, just answer some questions. And so if you have questions, uh, please just write them down. And, or if you have more questions, write them down, okay? Um, I wanted to speak today about uh, something I think that struck me uh, last week as, I, as I, I was sharing. Because sometimes what happens is that the more we talk about emergence and, you know, you ask yourself or you find yourself questioning, why am I even in this place in the first instance? So we say like Israel, that God is trying to bring you out of Egypt and you're like, why am I in Egypt in the first place? Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you study, when I study the book of you know, Exodus and you see the amount of time that the people of God were in Egypt, I actually wondered, why, why did they have to be there, right? And they were in there for, it wasn't um, an excursion. It wasn't like they were there for 
two years or three years. How long were they there? 400 and that's slightly, that's a long time, let's put it mildly. And I can see how that those kind of questions sometimes interfere with our ability to connect with what God wants to do. Because sometimes when you look at God taking the people, Israel, out of Egypt, they would get to a place and they would say, look, it was better that we were left in Egypt. Because sometimes uh, they would get to a place and they would say, look, what we had in Egypt, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. And so this morning, I just want to talk about that. Uh, why, you know, just giving some perspective. And I'm going to lean off a couple of discussions we had maybe three, four years ago. That's why the board is here. Um, and there was a time at LifePoint when we spoke about the quadrants. There were four quadrants of, we call them of pain and suffering, but I think it was something slightly different. Okay? And just follow me. Uh, my day job is, um, uh, I used to be a consultant and a bit of a consultant. So I use frameworks a lot. All right? So don't, don't worry when I start to write on the board. Um, for scripture, I like to read out um, Luke, I like to read out from the book of John chapter 9 and verse 1 to 3. John chapter 9 and verse 1 to 3. I tell the person next to you, tell them I really love you. I really, I really love you. I don't know why. I know it's a bit disruptive. You're like, we're about to start a message, but it's a bit disruptive. Just look at them with intention. You know, for some guy, this is destiny, so do it properly. All right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> tell the person next, I can see you doing that. What do you mean by you love her like that? What does that mean? <laughs> but I'm serious. I'm serious because this might be the only time this week until Valentine's Day that somebody tells somebody this. But it might be, it doesn't that's But look at them with intention. Tell them not because P.I. said so, but I really love you. I really love you. I really love you. <laughs> All right. No, and that is, uh, so someone has come to church. That is enough, right? John chapter 9, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, now as Jesus passed by, Holy Spirit, help us today. He saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I read the question again. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? And then you put dash, 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 dash. For someone, if you go back to verse 2, that question, Master, who did sin? This is KJV, I was wondering, okay. Um, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. For someone, their question is, Lord, who sinned? Was it me or my parents that I was born in Nigeria? For someone, their question is, Lord, who sinned? Was it me or my parents that I don't have a job yet? And for someone else, their question this morning is, Lord, who sinned? Me or my parents, but I'm still single. I tell the person next to you, tell them God has you, God has you, God, God has you, all right? God has you. But, but I, 
I, I like to start by saying that God does not need to use pleasant things only to bring you into destiny. God does not need to use only beautiful things to bring you. He will use hard and soft things, good and things that look like bad things to bring you into his plan and his purpose for you. And I know for someone it might, it might, it might, your theology might not fully accept it, but no problem. And so that he's the one who says all things work together for your good, not all good things. So it means that God is a master of taking even things that look like slavery sometimes to birth purpose down the line. I was studying a couple of weeks ago and as you know, I was reading that whole conversation in Exodus when Israel begins to leave Egypt. And I began to realize that these guys had thought that the Egyptians were their slave masters. But they didn't realize that the Egyptians had simply been managing investments on behalf of Israel. So when it was time for Israel to go, they started making withdrawals. And they started saying, that gold that you were keeping on behalf of my grandfather, may I have it? And so someone is in a tough place today and you still can't understand it. Because you yet, in your mind, do not have a testimony that you can share. But God is at work in that circumstance. The psalmist says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it says, you are with me. So, let me, let me tell you what we did. This, is, this was a while ago, right? I'm not sure how many people were here, but I'll try and, I'm not sure you guys, you get, you, Debilade was here, okay? These are the foundation members of Life Point Church, all right? Who else can remember the four quadrants? There were four quadrants. Femi, you can remember this. You can't. That is, you know, good students are not so good students, but it's okay. I'm just going to draw it like that, all right? It's Sunday morning, so my handwriting might be a little bit tricky, all right? So don't judge me yet, all right? Okay, um, now in this first quadrant, I remember this. These were things that we put in that bucket that were self-inflicted. So I'll tell you what I mean here. This is stuff, pain that you caused for yourself, we caused for ourselves, all right? Um, somebody is sad on a Saturday because they chose to support Arsenal, their team lost. That here. That's there. That, and I have to deal with that because too many people still, they go through that. This is here, smack here. A guy is broke February 16th because he took his life savings to prove his love to a girl for Valentine's Day. That pain is here. Self, you brought it on yourself. All right? Take notes. This is a very important service. Take notes. You go to exam, you didn't read. You didn't read. Instead of you to read, you were watching Netflix and chilling. Then you added some sprinkle of intercession on that foolishness, <laughs> and then you went into the exam hall. <laughs> when they brought out the questions, they looked like Greek. <laughs> you spent the time praying the Holy Ghost. You put the life point logo on the right just in case the person and you drew the cross somewhere in case the person's heart will be moved. Then when your result comes, it's a, it's a sparkling F. That pain is in that an extra semester. You then start quoting scriptures. That pain is right here. 
Okay, that is this quadrant. And I remember we said then that in that quadrant, um, you have to, there are two things that are important. One is the mercy of God. In that when you, have, when you receive or are dealing with that kind of pain or challenge, you get to a place where you are essentially saying, God, I am sorry, please have mercy. Lord, have mercy. But that even when the mercy of God takes you out of that pain, that there's a requirement for you to come into a place where you come to wisdom. So it's mercy and wisdom. Please just take note, and I'll tell you uh, why this is. So, what's the, so um, I think the example I used then, I remember this, was um, if, you, if you don't drink water for a long time, your body will start to speak to you, right? Start to have headaches and stuff like that. If you decide that, God, please have mercy on me, right? And he heals you of that pain, yeah? But you then go ahead and still not drink water, you will kill your body. So God has had mercy on you, right? But because you did not enter into wisdom, you are still dealing with pain there. Tell the person next to you, tell them God will have mercy on us. God will have mercy on us. And tell them we would grow in wisdom. We would grow in wisdom, all right? Uh, in James, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, it says, let him ask. It says, and God does not operate. It says, God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that have understanding. Now, this is one set. So, there was the next quadrant, all right, which I think I'll write in, in black, all right, were things that were necessary, all right? So, we call this necessary. Um, how do you spell necessary? It's, it's N-E, the how many C's? You know what? I'm just going to say N-E-C and just leave it at that. It's short form. <laughs> I can't stress myself this morning. Let's just deal with spiritual truth. I know how to spell it. I just was testing you guys, but <laughs> I'm under pressure and I can't, I can't say enough. I can't. But no, it's N-E-C. There's E and then there's double S. Uh-uh. Even the button people are calling out spelling. <laughs> wow. All right. Now, um, um, for things that are necessary, that pain will be things like if you need to, um, so Falabi says, I want to grow, what do they call this? Abs, right? Um, to impress the girls, right? And when you go to the gym the first time, <laughs> you realize that it's not like you see on the movies, right? So you realize that after, it's like, I don't know if you've noticed this, after you go to the gym for the first time, for a long, after a long time, your body ministers pain to you, tells you you don't do this again. <laughs> um, even the pain of preparation, studying for long hours can be tough. If I can tell myself this morning, I said work is tough. If, if you really need to, people who work know that it takes energy and time. Real work, not that you are sending people emails and telling them that you are their grandmother in somewhere and stealing money. That's not work. That's a robbery. Okay? All that here. Now, God will also bring you and us into seasons where you have to go through certain challenges. And the way he describes it is that these things are necessary for the development of character. 
In fact, I like the way the book of James puts it. He says in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Some translations would say temptations. It says that the testing of your faith produces patience. And patience, when it has its full work, or its perfect work, but you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, Romans chapter 5, I think, Paul, when he's saying in 3 to 4 there, he says, look, not only that we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. That there are things that God will take you through like a gym, some things in life, so that you would build character. But God never wants us to get to a place in life where we do not have the character that is required to undergird it. And so for you sometimes, for us sometimes, someone will get up and leave your life. They would call you, you know, you've been, you thought, look, this is going to be a great Valentine coming up, blah, blah. He just calls you and says, hey, it's not you, it's me. No warning, no prophetic indication, nothing. You people were still chatting till midnight. It just called nine, it didn't even, 7 a.m. type. They, you're not even fully woken up. It just says, I can't do it anymore. And while you're still trying to process that, next week you see on Instagram, he's engaged. Somebody you gave your life savings to. <laughs> so James says, these things are important to build character. Because what happened when you were romantic, you forgot about the fruits of the Spirit. But now, in the place of that gym, you would then go back to tongues and you would pray in the Holy Ghost. You would find solace in the Scripture. But that what is important in that quadrant is something called patience. But you would not look for shortcuts. That's something called patience. Yeah? But you would not, by finding shortcuts, try to escape the character that God is trying to build in you. What are shortcuts? I mean, obviously, Yahoo, Yahoo, and all that fraud is a shortcut. Let, let's call it what it is. I believe that drugs are a shortcut. I, I, I can tell you that for sure. Getting high quickly is a shortcut. A one-night stand is a shortcut. Just nod at your neighbor. Just nod. Nod. Knowing, just, just nod. You're not saying anything. Just tell them. And, and God is saying to someone, stay and let me build character. So sometimes it's painful. They've called you to be groomsman ten times. It's already... I mean, How? I mean, follow me. I know for how many times follow me has sold different nice suits. There was one time you even sold one red one. Was it red or green? What? Green. Hey, so turquoise green. They all remember. And it, you know, so if you look at follow me's wardrobe, you have these lovely suits, all from doing best man or groomsmen, you know, for different people. And you're like, God, what is all this? <laughs> Patience. And, and someone is laughing, but you see, uh, this is critical. Because sometimes when you go out with your friends, they say, this is for married people only. 
I, look, guys, uh, when I teach and when I preach, I know that sometimes I would say things like sound like jokes. Sometimes I'm not really joking. <laughs> I genuinely am not joking. First quadrant, things that we inflict on ourselves, mercy and wisdom. Second quadrant, things that are necessary for the development of character and the fruits of the Spirit in your life. The third one are things we would call the attacks of the enemy. Right? And this is, this is important, right? The Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus, one day, as he's walking with his disciples in Luke 13 and verse 16, he says, So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosened from the bond on the Sabbath. I think in the book of Acts, this is how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. But in that place, this kind of things simply respond to exercises of the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. Okay? So you stand in the name of Jesus upon the word of God and declare that this is not God's will for my life. The last one, and I'll tell you why we bring everything together, were things uh, which we said were things that had to do with the sovereignty of God. Okay? This here are things that God decides concerning your life. That he will bring into your life for the fulfillment of his plan and his purpose. And that in this place is where submission and consecration are important. Plus, discernment and an understanding of times and seasons. So when Israel goes into captivity for 430 years. It's smack in there. So it's four quadrants, all right? And um, I think just to make sure that we're on the same page, I'll just, you know, maybe call a couple of things and let's see, let's see if we know. So when, when David is having challenges after he's killed Uriah and uh, he slept with Bathsheba and all that, what quadrant is that pain that David is going through? Self-inflicted, right? All right. Uh, a guy gets uh, an STD after he's done a one-night stand. Where's that? Speak out, church. Speak out, church. <laughs> Self-inflicted. You're broke because you spent all your money on a girl. Self-inflicted. Amen. <laughs> Job and the, the things that happen in Job's life. Now, this is a tricky one. Job. There's the sovereignty of God, yes, but there is what else? There's Job. Okay. Uh, there's an attack of the enemy because God says to the devil, you can attack him but live his life. And the theologians will say it was self-inflicted because they say that he was afraid. And it wasn't, okay, they'll, they'll be like, but, but that's, that's important, okay? I'm coming. Or the woman who Jesus says, oh, look, you know, this woman needs to be healed, that's smack here, Right? Now, I must say this, that even though the separation into the different quadrants helps us to understand how God works in different aspects of our lives, 
but it's never, sometimes never either, either or. Because sometimes you could be facing the one thing, and yes, it is an attack of the enemy, but God in his sovereignty is allowing that attack to happen because he can see that there is something that he wants to fulfill. I like how, uh, I think it's Paul who's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, Had the rulers of this age known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. Because when they thought they were attacking Jesus and killing him, they were simply birthing out of the sovereignty of God. So I like how it's Genesis, I think Genesis 40, where Joseph is saying, he says, what you guys meant for evil, right? God had planned for my good. But even the things in this bucket, this self-inflicted, you know, acts of foolishness. I like how, you know, when PG was preaching at the New Year service, talked about even that sometimes even our mistakes that God has in his sovereignty the ability to take them and birth his counsel out of them. That even the things which we say are necessary for us to go through, it is important to know that God in his sovereignty will declare and determine what you need to go through. It's important to understand that these things overlap. Now, I needed to remind us of this because as we go through this year, as we go through these conversations about emergence, you must be, by the help of the Holy Spirit, you must be in a place where you recognize what God is doing in different parts of your life. You must understand by discernment, look, this is an attack of the enemy. I like how when Jesus is in the garden at Gethsemane, he can perceive that there's an attack coming, but yet he says, Lord, not your will, but mine be done. He can perceive the sovereignty of God in this matter. There's someone who's lost something that was so dear, something, and, and you, are, you, are, you are unable to understand how, why could this happen? We prayed, I fasted, we prayed, we fasted, we went to redemption camp. From there, we went to Winner's Chapel, we did everything. And for some of those things, God is saying, look, leave it with me. And there are some people who we've been dodging things which we need to bet character in our lives. That at the slightest feel of discomfort, at the slightest feel of pain, we withdraw for it, from it. God does not always solve for our comfort. God does not always solve for our comfort. The process of birthing things can sometimes be untidy. If you see the way, I mean, well, some of us here, some of us here have kids, right? Yeah, some of us here have kids, right? If the birthing process is untidy, I tell you, men have been known to faint in the labor room. Full-grown men, when they get in there. 
I mean, it's making babies is romantic. It's nice. Oh, yeah, I love you. I love you. Oh, you know, then we're going to do it. All those other that. But ask, when a woman begins to carry something in her womb, forget figure, forget everything moves out of place. It's untidy. When that encounter, that's what it is. I've been there twice with my wife. It's not, there's, it's not tidy. You can't do makeup. You, you, you can't go there and be speaking. Even if you had an accent, your real language comes out at that place. When you go see BWS and you see how all finds, you should watch the tape. <laughs> her real Yoruba person comes out. I, I normally joke that when people are still praying with their accents, it means there's no trouble yet. <laughs> because it's when, when your real trouble comes. You, you speak with your local dialect. Your real, your real you comes out. But, but I'm saying this because we need to be liberated from that theology of comfort. That theology that does not understand. So, you know, so look, Nigeria is an interesting place to live in. Sometimes I, I drive in Nigeria, I'm like, my God. This is just, sometimes this place looks like a jungle. Sometimes you're just driving on your own on the, on the express. You just see an Okada man who's a bike rider. Boom, with confidence on your lane. And you're like wondering, why, why are we doing this? How does a country that produces, that we, we have oil in the ground, we don't have fuel. And you know that, no, there's something. But God did not make mistakes when he put us here. We're praying a couple, of, I was just thinking and praying over a couple. And I realized that we as Christians still do not understand the strategic importance of Nigeria in God's plan. And I'm going to say this to you. I don't think there are as many countries in the world that send out missionaries to other countries to start and plant churches as they are that come out of Nigeria. Go and check. And interestingly, right, on one hand, sometimes when we think of the whole exodus out of Nigeria, all we see is people are leaving a place that is difficult for them. Interesting, some of us do not see how that God is sending people to the strangest places. Because if God told some of you, go to Canada and plant a church, you say, ah, no, I'm never going. Never, never. Go to Australia and start a church. Oh, no, please. Go and, go and start a No, no, no. So sometimes he organizes a small fire around your country. And then you say, I'm going, I'm living here, I'm living here. You get there, <laughs> you think you went there for light and for peace. But that's not why God took you out of Egypt. And then he begins to stare your heart. He will lure you out of Egypt. He says, come to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. But says, the reason is because I want you to come and worship me. So that when God does things, it is really because of the the reasons we think he's doing it. Some of us think that the only reason God wants us to marry is just because marriage is good. No. There is the fulfillment of counsel, purpose attached to it. Some of you just want a million naira so that, or a billion naira so that, you know, but that, it is more than that. So, may I say to this person who God is asking to come out of Egypt that look, you are not there by mystic. 
there are some places that you are in because of the things that you have not understood wisdom about. But that God did not make a mistake with your life. Your height was prescribed by God for somebody. Your physical features prescribed by God. Your place of birth, Ibadan, prescribed by God. It wasn't a lottery. It wasn't that they were saying Los Angeles, Florida, Ibadan. They say, ah, then true. No. No. Uh-uh. So I am so happy that I was born in Benin City. For the things that God wants to do in my life, I needed to be, at the time he needed me to be born, I mean, if I was born in, there were things I would never have experienced if I was born anywhere else. Being born in Benin meant I would go for crusades where the late Archbishop Benson Idahosa was ministering. He spoke to me once. It was a bit of a shade, but he spoke to me once. But those things framed my life. And for you also, the fact that your father is an army man, not a mystic. Don't forget the scripture we started with. Said so Jesus, who sinned? Because he said, in their mind, it was either the man or his parents. Why was I born in Ikpaja, Lord? Why was I born with this frailty in my body, Lord? Paul says, I approached God for a conversation three times. Would you please deal with this? And God says, hang on, there is something here that is supposed to be for the expression of grace. The power of resurrection works in all the quadrants. I think I was meant to say this last week. There's somebody who's in this quadrant. You're struggling with, um, you're, you're struggling with erectile dysfunction. And that's why I didn't say it last week because I was a bit shy. And God is healing you. I strongly believe that. Or has healed you already. I believe that. Uh, and I just wanted to add the clause was that please, if you are that person and God heals you, you must be careful not to go back into a life of foolishness. Jesus says to a man, he says, go and sin no more. He says, lest a worse thing come upon you. But it was important for me to say that last week, and I didn't say it. I like how Paul, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 13, would say, so it became evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ." Like I would say in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19 to 20, it says, And for me the utterance be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I oath. God put you in that university for a purpose. God put you your gender is not a mystic. Your Nigerianness is not a mystic. Yeah? It's not a mystic. God, if God opens the door and gives you a second passport, so be it. But the fact that you were born Nigerian is something that you should wake up and be thankful to God for. It is part of the plan. It is part of the plan. 
The fact that you were born in the village, it's not a mistake. And it is not a disadvantage either. The power of resurrection is walking wherever you are. I love that scripture in Exodus chapter 1, 12. Concerning Israel, the Bible says the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12. Um, let's say just one small prayer and then I'll ask. One prayer. Just Would you just bow your heads wherever you are? And would you just pray over the things that we have said this morning? Do you know that song, Shepherd of My Soul, I Give You? It's an old song, but if you... Shepherd of my soul, I give you full control. Wherever you may lead, I will follow. I have made a choice to listen for your voice. Wherever you may lead, I will go. And I think the second one says... Bathe in the quiet pastures or by the gentle stream. The shepherd of my soul is by my own. Should I face a mighty mountain or a valley dark and deep? The shepherd of my soul Let's take it one more time. Shepherd of my soul. Oh, shepherd of my soul. I give you full control. Wherever you may lead, I will follow. And I have made a choice to listen for your voice. And wherever you may lead, I will go. And be it in the quiet pastures, or by the gentle stream, the shepherd of my soul will be my should I face a mighty mountain or a valley dark and deep, the shepherd of my soul? Our Heavenly Father, today as we, we worship you in your presence, I thank you for clarity, I thank you for inspiration. I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for that person who is dealing with challenges that they have brought upon themselves. And Lord, today I ask you for mercy. I will thank you for wisdom. Thank you for that person who is going through a challenge or a circumstance that is necessary for the development of character. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would infuse strength in their inner man. I thank you for the work of patience and we declare it will not be truncated in the name of our Lord Jesus. Our Father, we stand 
as a church in agreement that wherever anyone is being oppressed by the devil, all attacks, we declare in the name of Jesus that your counsel is better, that there is healing, there is a loosening of bonds in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we thank you because you are sovereign over our lives. We thank you for the things which even our minds cannot yet understand. The questions we have about things that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago. And Lord, in those matters, we submit to you knowing that you are a loving God who has ordained all things to work together for our good. Father, we thank you for that person who you are calling out of Egypt with urgency. That they will not stay back because they do not understand the purpose of the trip yet. I thank you for that person who you are calling out of Egypt, Lord God, with fervency, with intensity. But they will not stay because they become used to it. They would not stay because this is what their parents experienced. I thank you for that person who you are calling out of Egypt, Father. That they would wake up with Israel. That they would wake up under the covering of the blood of Jesus. That they would wake up to the promise that there is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. That they will understand that Egypt is not their home or their calling. That there is a land whose builder, architect, maker, constructor is God. And that they would follow you, my Father. That person who is in Egypt where there is depravity and pain as an institution. Who has said this is maybe all life is. But Lord, that they would hear the call of emergence in the season. Our Father, we give you thanks. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Because we'll send a big amen. And let's welcome Sharon and, and Demilade as they come forward. Let's put our hands together for them as they come. Thank you. Y'all. Morning, people. Morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Uh, you guys, you guys are so quiet. Yeah. Are we doing good? Okay, awesome. It's like P.I. preached a very sobering <laughs> kind of message. No, that message wasn't sobering. No, no, no. Was it sobering? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> well, so we're, we're so happy to be doing this. This is our first conversation series for the year. Um, and we're excited to have P.I. here with us. Um, so we'll jump right into it. Um, and basically, the, the past month, we've been talking about emergence, which is the theme for the year. Um, and so we want to just ask a couple of questions that are in and around that subject. And then one specific question for somebody who uh, wants to get married this year. Um, okay, is that so Falabi? <laughs> yeah, for lobby. Okay. Where is it? Could be for lobby. <laughs> okay. But if the questions are, I thought they're not hard. Any hard questions, we'll call BWS. BWS, yeah. 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 She, and she's ready. She yeah. wore her gym outfit today, so she's ready. All right, let's do this. Right. So the, the first question, and we've been talking about emergence, but one of the things that Pastor Goldman mentioned was desiring an emergence. 
Um, so this person says, um, many times I have asked God for things that will help me make progress in my life, but they have not happened. Is my desire wrong, and how do I properly desire an emergence? Okay, you want me to answer the question? Yes, please. <laughs> don't you know the answer to the question? No, I don't know the answer. <laughs> um, okay, and I, and I just to start with, after empathize first, okay? Um, I can feel, I mean, a, a bit of the frustration there. And, and what I'll say is, uh, the times in your life when you th believe you know what you need for the next step, and I think that there's the place of persistent prayer. There's a place of uh, continuing to ask God repeatedly. Uh, however, I think that when you spend time in prayer consistently asking God for the same thing and it's not happened yet, one of the things you must also do is to you know, check with the Holy Ghost and see, is this the will of God and is this wisdom to work in, right? Uh, and, and so for me, I think, how does that come? I think it's in the place of, Praying in the Holy Ghost, because so we, this, we make a distinction between praying in your understanding and praying in the Spirit. And then as you pray in the Spirit, what typically would happen? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit would then take the thoughts that are in the hearts of God and put them in our heart. Uh, I think that's important. I think also, not so, sorry, I'm not making it sound so spiritual, that you should also seek counsel. Yeah, Because uh, when the Bible speaks about us, even as Christians, it says we know in part. And so you'll be shocked how that with the aid of mentors or even safe, you know, wise counsel, uh, you'll be able to see exactly what else you should be desiring or how else to approach it. All right. But like I said, I understand the frustration that can come from something not happening when you want it to happen. Uh, but it, there's no reason for it to give. Some things happen overnight. Some things uh, take a bit longer to happen. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's wonderful. So, so how will you know when I answer the question correctly? Uh, well, um, <laughs> I'm listening, okay. and I'm, I keep looking back at the question to be sure that we're touching on the right... The so right you know thing. the answer to the question? Actually. No, I did not know the answer, but it looks like... <laughs> God, yeah, just BWS sent me the answer sheet. So, ah, I see. So we're good. I see. Let's go. Okay, okay um, so this person is asking about comparison. Um, and, you know, this... Basically, we're told not to compare ourselves with others. And if you know Jonathan McReynolds' song, he says, comparison kills, right? Um, but this person is asking, um, so they know that it's not good to track their own progress by what others are doing. Um, so how do you track your emergence progress? Um, I guess, is there a timeline for emergence? That kind of thing. How do you track your own progress without looking at where other people are at? So I, I just want to add a little bit of context to this because I was watching something the other day um, and he was talking about how for all of us, the timeline of our lives are typically marked by what our colleagues are doing. Like our parents would say, by the time you are X years old, you should be doing this. By the time you are Y years old, you should have done that. Um, but then when we get into the, the experience of our lives, we start to see that um, when my mates were married at 26, I'm still single at 34. You know, so the question is, how do, I, how do I understand what the timeline of my life is supposed to be like when it looks as though I'm not following the general trend of... Okay, that's a good question. I think, I think there's a place for being inspired by what God is doing in the lives of other people. I think there's that place to be inspired by it. But I think that you must uh, also get to 
uh, the place where you become comfortable with what God is doing in your life, right? Uh, what's the role of our parents and those who bring us up is that, uh, don't forget that I believe that your parents are early prophets in your life. That is why they get the benefit and privilege of naming you in the first place. And that's why God sent you to them and through them, all right? And your parents will typically give you a sense for, you know, what you should be doing at an early stage until you come to a place where you've developed an understanding of, you begin to develop an understanding of the calling of God over your life and how God is working with you, right? Um, and you begin to then take ownership of that. How do you get that understanding? Uh, I think it comes with maturing and developing yourself spiritually. Uh, I think it comes with uh, hearing God, because I think that's important, and descending his hand over your life. There are certain things which are uh, natural expectations, right? But even those things, you'll be surprised that in God's plan over your life, you might have different times and seasons, all right? Um, and I think, I'm trying to look back at my life. When I went into university, my father telling me when he thought I should go into the university. And I went in super early, right? Um, but I think, and you know, we thank God for how that went, you know, but as I began to take ownership of my life, I think there were things I did because I believed other people were doing them and it was appropriate to do them, you know, buy your first car here, do this there, do that here. But I think as time goes on, you also, you know, begin to respond to instructions from God. Uh, uh, so, I don't want to start giving specific examples, but there were things myself and my wife did not do deliberately because we didn't think it was part of God's plan for our life. And over time, right, we could see how it made sense. And there are things which there are people who are my age today have done and haven't done yet, right? Um, and there are things which... God has caused to happen in my life, right? That haven't happened in other people's lives yet. Um, I think there's a, there's a thing here. So as you walk with God, as you make choices and decisions and opportunities come, because opportunities will not come to all of us at the same time. As opportunities come and you make choices, what you want to do is celebrate what God is doing in other people's lives. But, but don't, don't get intimidated, I think that's really, because what happens is that sometimes you look across and you get intimidated very quickly, right? Or you get upset. There's a place for inspiration. There's a place for the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaping because she's having a conversation with Mary. There's a place for, for that. There's a place where sometimes it even pushes you back to the place where you're praying and say, ah, God, I really celebrate you for blessing Demilade with a girlfriend at last, but hey, Lord, you know, do you have plans for me? And, you know, stuff like that. But I think, like I said, it's as you grow older, this is both spiritually, emotionally, mentally, you begin to take ownership with God over the times, understanding times, and you're like, don't forget that even in that, you will still get, hear God confirming some of the things that he's impressing in your heart with external sources, right? You would, you would have prophecies, that come to you. You would have instructions that come to you. You would find God bringing people into your life, right? Uh, is, am I answering for too long? No, no, no. Okay. So, uh, I, for example, I, I uh, this is interesting. So, so, I wanted to, so there was a time in my life, so when we were in university, I wanted to become a pastor. Oh, yeah, I wanted to be a pastor of the fellowship. It was a, it was a very, uh, <laughs> it was a very, 
they used to respect pastors, not what they do in social media now. In those days, <laughs> it was very, it was, as I was in a fellowship, I was, I was how do you put it, I was a promising young leader. You know, so every, you know, how can we call anointing service, anoint, so I'd, I'd moved from being assistant general secretary to general, no, no, ushering leader to assistant general secretary. You were the leader of ushering. Yes, I was. Pierre was he an used usher. to point people to their chairs and stuff. Uh, in a spiritual way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was ushering later, and then I was assistant general secretary, and my roommate said, ah, you're going to be pastor of the fellowship. They didn't really call the election. And then uh, the day of the anointing when they announced it, and I was general secretary. Mm. Right. Nothing hits me. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, most of, a couple of my friends were pastors in other fellowships. I was already attending pastors' meeting. Bill is called me pastor already. And then I went into a season of my life when I didn't want to be a pastor again. Ah, no. If you called me pastor, it was a fight. Because I thought, you know, I didn't want to be a pastor. When God then decided it was time for me to pastor, right, it came in the most interesting ways. That relationship that I have with Pastor Godman, and he says, oh, we're going to start Elevation Church. And then even when we're here, Elevation Church was fine. You're, you know, we're, then one day he calls me to his office. We're living here. Uh, we're going to leave a church here. I'm going to be a pastor of that church. And that has happened. Uh, you know, I took the sabbatical. But, and, you know, I'm back in. I'm just saying, those seasons of my life can't be compared with what is happening in any other person's life. Mm. Right? Mm. In any, and so it's God leading me, God growing me. But there's also people who he has used around me to confirm, to instruct, and to bring opportunities. All right? Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Can I quickly follow up with a question for, um, I know that a large part of our demographic is made up of much younger people. When I say much younger, how old am I, please? I'm very young. I, but I, like, I know your exact age. Should I say, <laughs> should I say I'm your But age? people who are sort of, have just left the university and might still be wanting to, still trying to figure out how to take control of their lives. And I use that phrase very, because there's that part of your life you get to where you and your parents have a plan. And yeah, yeah, your parents are saying this, and you're like, no, that. So how do, how do you deal with that, that tension? That's an interesting one, because um, I think, so the Bible, oh, there's a scripture. It says um, uh, uh, the, the hair, yeah, as long as he's a child, remains under the guidance of tutors and governors until it comes of age and all that. And, and I think that there's no, so it's a process, right? And what happens in that process is that um, you, I, I deeply respect and honor the influence of my parents. And I think that while we have very different approaches to life, but I believe that God was walking through them right, to, to, for, in my case. And I think in all, most cases, you'd be surprised. So I think there's that thing about respect and honor. It's fundamental, right? Uh, but I think there's also the place of you growing. And I've said this before, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Uh, what happens is a number of us grow so quickly that we recognize that, oh, I understand the decisions that need to be made. And I have the capacity to make the right decisions. And you figure out when you need their input or not. Uh, some of us grow a bit slow, and that is also fine. Yeah? And we don't have different type of parents. Some parents couldn't really care what you put on your jam form or what you put in. They don't even know. Some, did, some just know you're in university. They're not sure what you're studying. 
It's engineering something. Some parents, from when you were five, have already described your life. Mm. 18. This. The NYC, they know exactly where you are serving. Yeah. You know, uh, they know, if some of them have identified a short list of three ladies yeah, who you marry. should marry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, and those kind of parents have to be managed with a lot of maturity. Uh, because while the heart is good, you know, what you are dealing with there is more than just people who want to help and parent you. And for some of those people, you would have to essentially, on some occasions, fight a battle, right, to come out of it. Uh, my father, for example, I think some I mean, typical African parents, when you just get an aider, it's your life, go and do what you want to do, hmm. right? And so my father, he was very, my father was very present until a particular age. They see this is sweet. How old is he now? Oh, 21. Oh, sorry. I'm out, <laughs> I'm out of here. They just, so I come like, ah, what's your, you know? Uh, but some parents follow up all the way. Uh, but it's still that thing about growing in God spiritually, growing emotionally, uh, proving that you can make decisions yourself, right? I'll say this. Um, decision making for me is something that uh, you can't outgrow counsel, mm. right? So even though I use that phrase, taking control for decision-making, you must be careful that you don't get to the place where you believe that you know everything. Mm. So even as in my current state, there are people who I would counsel with when I have to make big decisions. I will make the decisions, but there are people I will still counsel. So it's not that you don't take counsel anymore, right? Because... The truth is that sometimes some people know you from, uh, from, from a different perspective, and their counsel is always important. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, P.I. Um, so this is a question from someone online. Can we celebrate our online audience? Woohoo! Okay. Um, so this person is asking, what happens if you don't experience God all the time um, and you have never wavered in your faith? What can you do to experience God? Okay, that, that's an interesting question. And, and I wish I had uh, a, bit more context. a bit more context. Yeah. Uh, because when you say experience God all the time. Mm. Yeah, there are just times where you're just like, yeah, I'm not really feeling you right now. I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. What happens when you don't feel God? When you don't appropriate feel... the message. Mm. <laughs> it was one, actually, it was one of the, the topics of the, in our yes. Purpose Driven Life okay. book. Okay, yes. so maybe we should refer to it because... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so why is... So, and that's an interesting... It's an interesting... Uh, because I think there's our work with God that, you know... Uh, depending on what part of the church you came from and what, as I'm going to say, there are different parts of the church, right? Uh, there are some parts of the church that are very, that are very heavy on experiences. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. yeah? Some parts of the church are very heavy on procedure, mm. yeah. formality. Oh, well, we know those ones. <laughs> All right, and my point is, if you come from a part where you, are, where you believe that you must have an experience with God to represent the fact that God is working in your life, I think you have to be careful uh, not to box God into experiences, mm. right? So say that again, sir. <laughs> Louder for the people at the back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but, but, but what is important because when you look at, and I've been studying Exodus like on repeats, yeah? Because whether the people of Israel have a challenge was the times when they couldn't necessarily experience God. They couldn't mm. see God. 
They couldn't feel him. They're like, ah, you know. So Moses heads off to go and be with God. The guy's like, where's Moses? Even Moses that used to help us experience God. He's not here. He's not here. Ah, Aaron, give us an experience. Here's all our gold. Make his, make an mm. idol for us to worship. Yeah. Yeah? Um, anytime they were in front of an enemy or in front of a need and God hadn't come through immediately or there was not something supernatural happening, they were like, oh, why did you bring us here? But I believe that God is bigger than those experiences. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, so we walk, the Bible says we walk by faith and, and not by sight. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, sir. That was really good. Um, so we're going to go into our last two questions. This one I have is um, a, a bit more real. Um, so this person says, you know, when 2022 started, I made a decision to do the fast with the church. And for about the first nine days, I was going pretty well. But then I slipped into some old habits. And I know this person because the person is a friend of mine. Um, so he says... When we're talking about old habits, we're talking about the bad stuff. Oh, well, all of them are bad, but the ones that, like, you know, they do fire, and they, you wear white garments, and your parents will have to pray for you and rub something on your head. What are those kind of stuff? After, we be... talk after. <laughs> we're in church, how are you? But don't you guys want to know? <laughs> no, my parents never had to do Hashtag fire. no snitching. We don't, but, no, but I mean, I, I, can, I can speak generically. Please. You know, so we're talking about, like, sexual sin... You know, impurity, things like that, and then also things to do with like fraud, fraud, fraud. The why, why? You know what we call why, oh. why? The yeah. computer, the IT specialist. IT enabled fraud. Anyway. I see. Um, and this is somebody who I had a conversation with at the beginning of the year to say, look, it would be really great if we did this together because he comes from a Christian background. I don't know what that means. When you say do this together, you mean the fraud or the fast? <laughs> <laughs> no, the sort of recommitting to God to Oh, no, just, yeah. just make, somebody might be there wondering, so I just want to be clear. Okay. <laughs> no, not, definitely not. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but so this person is saying, um, so, you know, I slipped into all these old habits again, and, and now I feel like my life is resorting to the same old narrative. Um, so what do I do? How do I break out of this cycle? Because the idea is there are people who keep circling around certain sort of besetting sins and they desire an emergence, but they can't seem to generate the, the necessary level of propulsion to break out of that cycle. So what do you do when you want to emerge out of something, but you still see things pulling you down? Sharon, Sharon has the answer. Sharon will <laughs> Yeah, you're on stage. So are you. What? <laughs> Go on, feel free. Thank God I'm asking the question. <laughs> so you don't have the answer as well. <laughs> Me, I don't know. I don't want to give someone something false. I'm not sure. Um, okay. Um, I would, I'm going to try to be as practical as possible. Um, so one of the things I would say is, um, what are the things that are constantly around you um, that would lead you back into that sin? What are the things that you know, the triggers? Do you know your triggers? Do you know the things that would lead you back there? Do you know the people? Because sometimes it's people. Um, the Bible says, you know, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Are you cutting off those things that um, would lead you back there? Or are you constantly allowing those things? There's another scripture that says that, you know, when a demon is cast out, you know, um, 
if the person, basically just paraphrasing, the person doesn't deal with, you know, or, you know, replace that thing with God or that influence with God, he will come back, find this place clean and ready. And he won't just come back, but he will invite his friends to come in and will be stronger and will be worse. The person will be worse off. So do you know your triggers? Are you removing the things that are around you? Are you and not just removing, but replacing them with things. Because it's one thing to remove the triggers from around you, but it's another thing to actually replace those habits with godly things. Um, engage with material that's godly, reading the word, studying the word, praying. The people around you as well. Are you, um, you know, doing life alone? Or are you, is there someone that's holding you accountable? Um, so, yeah, just, you know, practical things like that. Removing the things that would lead you into that thing and replacing it with, consciously replacing it with things that would help you to stop that habit and move forward and be better. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon. <laughs> uh, and funny enough, the scripture you quoted was the one I was going to quote. I mean, so you knew the answer. Uh, but, but I think, number one, I think it's commendable that you ask the question, whoever the person is, in case they are listening. I think it's important. I think it's important that you are, you are setting aside this year to follow God. You know, and I trust God that it won't be in vain. And I think it's also good you have friends who are like that. Um, I think that uh, as Christians, sometimes we don't understand the nature of our calling. But Christians are expected to have people around them who are emerging, Right? And mm. so if, as a Christian, you get to a place where you don't have anybody who, around you who is coming out of something, then mm. it means maybe you've become too religious, hey. right? And you don't... So church, as we are today, we've seen where Nigeria is. Church, this church should have a good representation of Yahoo boys coming. Mm. And this is what I mean. Because... That's it, I'm not answering the question, but I dare to say that we should... It, they should be here seeking God, right? And then, you know, uh, that transformation happens. Uh, I think what, you know, what Sharon says is, is very strong, is, you know. There's an environment in which certain habits thrive, yeah. right? So let's even take the fact that uh, if you were involved in fraud as, an, as a thing, as an occupation, it is rare that people do uh, fraud individually. Most of the people, the ones I know, they all have a, a pack, a group, right? Uh, I, know, I know some people. Oh, really? I do. <laughs> um, and it is so, so and they, I know, they, they rent a place together, because you need, you need a network, need you need internet, IT, yeah, internet, yeah, yeah. economies of scale. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but, so my point is, if you will want to follow God, there are certain companies and networks that you must remove yourself from. Mm. Because there's certain things that feed the habits that you're trying to go away from. Yeah. All right? Uh, the sexual sin, for example. Uh, if you keep on watching pornography, you, it is hard for you to remove yourself from sexual sin. Yeah. Uh, there are certain songs that you listen to repeatedly. You don't need no other body. Ah. <laughs> no, I'm trying to remember this. I know this song, but I didn't think it was a Christian song. But I didn't think about like the way you are saying it. <laughs> Who sang the song? 
um, whiskey now. Essence, and, and Thames, Thames and whiskey. That song. <laughs> yeah, now. As me, you don't need all that, but you use the one that I've given you. I never used to interpret that song like that. So. <laughs> I never read that song like that. Really? No, that's basically what. <laughs> Dim Lady, why do you know so much about this song? No, that's the only one I know. They played it a lot last year, so it's stuck in my mind. Okay, I'll, I'll delete it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But, but, but there are certain songs which you should not allow minister to your heart. Hmm. Huh? I was saying this to myself. Obviously, when I talk like that, because I, I preach to myself a lot, that uh, what we don't realize as human beings is that life is modeled to us and we then go and live out what is modeled to us hmm. constantly. And I was saying to myself yesterday how that if you don't have sufficient people or the word modeling a Christian life to you, mm. you do not know to go and do it. So if you wake up in the morning, you first watch some soap, some, uh, what do you call, some show, maybe like, you know, do five episodes, but in each of those five episodes, if somebody's sleeping with somebody that's not their spouse or who they're not married to, yeah? And then you watch, you then, you know, maybe spend another one minute, one hour in worship with, you don't need any, another, another body. Another so, body, yes. Okay, you said just repeatedly is ministering to your heart, <laughs> <laughs> by evening, uh, you are going to be, what then happens is that you, know, you are prepared for the opportunity. For, for needing. Okay. For needing, yeah, for all that. So you, you need to put yourself where you are essentially making sure nobody is coming, nobody is sowing seeds in your heart for which you do not want to see the harvest. Hmm. And that, that's, uh, the Bible says in, in Galatians, says, don't let anybody be, God is not mocked. It says whatever a man sows is what he will reap. And so as and I'll say this to you, the movement away from um, the, the old man, that's how Paul puts it, to the new man, takes deliberate steps. There are things you would invest in your heart, in your life. So not only are you saying, I'm not listening to, you don't need that song, but you would then say, okay, who am I listening to? Mm. All right? I realize... Yeah, I, talk about, I talk a lot to myself, but I'll tell you why. Because I was playing tennis the other day and the song kept on coming back to me. And I realized that the reason the song was coming back to me was because at work on Thursday, I'd play the song over and over again. All right? So we actually program our souls and our lives by even things like music. So what the content that comes into your heart, what the commitments you're making, the people who are around you. All right? Uh, uh, so when I got saved back in, in, in the university... One of the things that you were not required to do, but you typically do, then, huh, was that you would throw away all your music that's not gospel. <laughs> yeah. All. All the CDs. Yes, all the CDs. Well, mm. I don't think it was even, was it CDs? Yet? It wasn't CDs, it was cassettes at cassettes. the time. Mm. I'm, I'm not aware of. I know, I know. <laughs> they didn't, cassettes hadn't got into a bad one then. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. But, no, 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 but I, and I remember this. I remember that there was one, you know, because I was in Benin, and then there was one tape, my cousin who was in Lagos had given me a real jam. I couldn't even bring myself to throw it away. I had to give it to somebody else who was not yet saved. <laughs> <laughs> because it's such good jams. But the point was that you had to remove yourself from certain things. And I've said it. There are people's numbers you must delete. Mm. Ah, wow. Again. Please say it again, <laughs> sir. No, no. Say I say this. The person that sells you weed, delete. Mm. That girl that always calls you around... And body seven, one, body two, body three, delete. Yes. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, and I'm serious. The same people you must block for your destiny to emerge. Amen. No, no. I, I, no, no. If you've not done it before, it means that you need to do it. Blocked. 
there are certain sites that you must block. In fact, for some people of you, you need to burn your whole computer. Because, <laughs> no, no, because, no, no, it sounds like a joke, but some of you, you know that subscriptions that you must delete. Yeah. Okay, there are TV shows that you know that you shouldn't watch anymore. Yeah. It's done enough damage. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, and I, and I think, like, you know, to that person, having people who can also hold you accountable like Demi Lade is important uh, because the days when you're fighting a battle, you need to be able to call them and say, oh, this is where things are. And they say, okay, where are you? Let me come and pick you or pray with you or give you counsel. I think that's also helpful. Thank you so much, sir. So it looks like we're short for time. And so I think we should just um, wrap. But like I said, there was one specific question that... Yes. ...that, um, that Folabi asked. Where's Folabi's <laughs> question. Yeah. Um, so the question says, any tips for single men on how to emerge with force this year? <laughs> <laughs> the question isn't done. Wait, wait, wait. But it says, we want to marry, and if you come with too much force now, we'll end up being the subject <laughs> of someone's IG stories or clubhouse conversations. <laughs> uh, okay, I, uh, Demi Lady has the answer to that. Mr. I'm not for you. I'm not finished imagining. No, no, but I, but I think that, so I hear that question, and I think that sometimes we, we make, we over-sensationalize marriage and getting into a relation. We make it, there before our time, eh? billions of people have gotten married. B billions, all right? It's not, it's not as complex, I assure you. Uh, and we're Christians, so God will lead us. And I think if you place a premium on that which is important, on friendship and honor and doing things properly, but in your time and the season, you will get there. I think if you desire it, you should be bold about and honest about it. I think what sometimes happens is that we're trying to use the script of the world to mm. you know, get uh, a, the result that we believe God wants us to get. Mm. And I think just trust God and follow through. Build friendships. Be honest with people. Don't date five people at the same time. Don't act, I'm serious. And when you don't, you like someone, say you like someone, be honorable. Right, and you know, and trust God for, for what is yours. And I think, look, married, I mean, married now, how, how is this year mm. eight, 18 this year? I okay. think, I think so, yeah. I think it's 18. No, this clap was not, it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, no, 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 but my point is, I remember one time, maybe to just empathize with Fallaby, my, I'd broken up, yeah, I think I broke up with a girl. I'd broken up with this she lady. Did break up with you? No, 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 I did the break up. Wow, strong master. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, back in the day. But I'd broken up with my, my university girlfriend uh, for all sorts of interesting reasons. But, and then I moved to Lagos. For the first, I can't, I can't forget, I genuinely didn't know how I was going to get a girlfriend in Lagos. I was scared that I was not going to. I'm telling you, so this is me being vulnerable. Stop laughing. I, I genuinely didn't think, ah, I was like, hey, God. I was in PI at that time. I didn't have car. I didn't have house. I couldn't compete in Lagos. You know, in Benin, it was okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I didn't understand how, you know, this is, this is I'm talking 2000 and this is 2002, mm. right? And I couldn't figure out how I was going to. But I think back then, I realized God will bring what, who is for you to you. Amen. Yeah? Amen. So, yeah, don't, I think, and I'm, look, uh, don't, don't, um, don't over-sensationalize. I meet, Lots of fantastic people here. 
And sometimes I just look at them and like, I hope you even know the fact that you are, you will make a great wife. Mm. You will make a great husband. It's not so, I'm not, it's, there's no, it's because we are listening to all these people that are singing rubbish and talking, I'm serious. And then we hear too many bad reports. Mm. Yeah, uh, but don't over-sensualize it. Trust God. Do what you should do, and God will bring you into it. Amen. Right. Amen. How many people enjoyed that time of sharing? Thank you so much, P.I. Thank Ready. you, P.I. See you next year. Thank <laughs> you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.